Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow underway on this Thursday edition. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, which includes our YouTube page where over a million subscribers, you can join us. We hope you'll subscribe as well. Just search out Outkick. You can join all of the shows live or on demand uh, anytime at Outkick.com or on the YouTube page. And we're live each day across this great radio station that you're listening to currently on the Outkick Radio Network. Chad, good afternoon. Busy good afternoon, show today. Hun. We, we got we to move fast today. We no got a doubts. lot going on. Coming up in uh, five minutes, Senator Tommy Tuberville, the coach. He will join us. He's uh, been on the show a couple of times now. And last week, we had members of the college football world, college athletics world, that went back to Capitol Hill. He was in those meetings along with uh, Senator Joe Manchin, and they're trying to come up with some federal legislation to help out with name, image, likeness. Details on that coming up, plus much more. Trey Wallace a bit later in today's show as well. The PGA Tour and the Live Tour, we've got the unification, and we would have had this either way, this week with the U.S. Open that is now underway. And Chad, the, the report today from the New York Times that PGA Tour players who turned down the money, decided they didn't want to take the big-time signing bonuses to join the Saudi-backed Live Tour, that Live is coming up with a fund that is, that is being created as we speak to compensate players who decided to stay loyal to the PGA Tour instead of joining Live, meaning Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Hideki Matsuyama, John Rahm. Those are the top four names for me that come to mind with big-money reports that they turned down to just join the Live Tour and stay on the PGA Tour, that they were coming up with a fund to level up, was the quote in the report, with the bank accounts of the others who did. That's a, it's a ton of money, and once again, Saudi is funding this, according to the, the reports from the Times and others. Chad, I don't know how much money we're talking about here, but if it's anywhere close to what was reported that they were trying to throw out to these guys a year ago, this is going to be well into the billions, plural. I mean, my first response to all this is, what, what a just show all of this is. Like, we're watching reality yeah. TV. Like, I, I'm sorry, Rory McIlroy. Like, I, I know that you feel like you were used as a pawn in all this, and you were, and you feel deceived, and why, 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 and all this. You're just going to line right up and take their money. Now, now it becomes more of a, hey, we turned down all the money that you said was blood money and evil, and now you're going to take it, so we should take it too. Which, I understand the thinking and the greed involved with that. I laid all this money, it was on the table for me, I didn't take it because I was being fed a bunch of lies from the PGA Tour. But you sat there and you inferred that people who took it were sellouts, that you were more concerned with legacy and not money, and now the moment that the PGA signs up for the Saudi money, 
you're just all standing in line saying, give me that money back that I turned away that I called everyone else a sellout for taking. I'll gladly take that money now directly from the private investment fund, by the way. This is not PGA money. They're going to set up their own account to make those players whole who turned down live and called people sellouts that went to live and talked about legacy mattering and not as much about money. And now all they're concerned with is the money. I just, look, I, I understand the human desire for things and for money and why they would want that money they left on the table. But the whole thing just screams to me as some big satirical joke about well, the state of the, the game. Yeah, but I, I look at it, that my initial reaction from the PGA players' perspective whenever this news broke on the 6th was, imagine f- being Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and John Robb and Hideki Matsuyama and others who turned down the millions upon millions in order to stay loyal, only to have, according to those that were in the room, three people, Jay Monahan, uh, the, the other two on the PGA Tour board, uh, were, let's see, Jimmy Dunn and Ed Hurley that were a part of the negotiations. And that's it. So it's not like they had a choice or a vote in order to do this. And if they want to continue playing professional golf, there's a new owner. And they're coming back to the board and saying, hey, we're just going to level up, whatever that means. Well, one quick thing also. Imagine being so rich and you have such a desire to get it's a insane. seat at the table in golf yeah. that you're just going to pay millions to people who turned you down a year later just to get a seat at the table. Seven of the top ten golfers uh, on the money list last year, Chad, were live tour players. Incredible. And I'm not sure if you can name seven players. Uh, players are getting paid uh, across the college landscape as well. Senator Tommy Tuberville uh, joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coach, it is great to have you back on. Uh, hope things are well. Well, it's it's never well up here in Washington D.C. <laughs> I call it the clown show. So clowns are out of out of the tent today. We we normally get out of there mid afternoon on Thursday, so most everybody's left. But uh, I don't think we ruined anything these uh, three or four days we've been here. But we'll start back again next week. See how much problems we can cause. You were you were attacking the clown show that is name, image, likeness. Uh, you've done you've been doing that for a year now. Uh, and uh, a bipartisan bill that you're currently trying to come up with with Senator Joe Manchin. Um, and, and once again on Capitol Hill last week, uh, you were vocal in calling the current setup a, a disaster. I know that uh, Nick Saban and others were there uh, to voice their opinions as well. Where are we as of right now based on last week's meetings and, and knowing where we're headed across the college landscape? Well, a very good meetings. It was good to have them all here face to face. And we had, I don't know, 15, 20 coaches and athletic directors and presidents. They're all concerned and rightly so, because uh, we're going to ruin uh, college sports, uh, women's sports, Olympic sports. You, you know, we're going to do tremendous damage to to everything that we we have had for many, many years. That's very entertaining. And plus, it gets a great education for many, many young men and women. That being said, uh, Joe Manchin and I have been working for probably a little over a year with this. Now we've, I've been taking advice from coaches and, and players and parents and athletic directors, and we've just been looking at the, at the process. Now it is an absolute mess. We might be able to cure cancer before we uh, put an answer to this, but uh, we're, we've got, I think we've got a good bill. We've got a good text. Uh, Again, we, we had one finished uh, when the coaches got here and the athletic directors some lawyers obviously have to have them involved. We sat down and we looked at it and they had some great suggestions. 
So we made some changes. And so the text is about finished. And what we'll do is we'll start uh, pushing it out and start building uh, some support for it here in the Senate and in the House. <clears throat> We've got to have both. Up here, you got to have both and it's got to be strong and then the president's got to sign it. But at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to make it simple, but we want to make it for the athlete. We want to save sports and we want to save education. Uh, I'm all for the players making money. Uh, you know, I was in it for a long time, uh, but we got to be sensible about this and uh, we got to do it the right way. And hopefully we can help. Do you feel as though you're doing more than helping, though? Do you think you're bailing out the NCAA? Are you saving the NCAA as much as athletics here in terms of fairness? Because they took a step back and allowed this to get where it is currently. Are, are you pushing the NCAA to come up with a new model, or is this federal legislation allowing the NCAA to just sign up and be on board with? Yeah, I don't know whether we're saving them. They got themselves in a problem. I've never been a big NCAA fan because they got their – they, they got way too much to do. It's hard to manage all those sports and do it the right way. But <clears throat> they got more lawsuits than they can handle, and they're trying to go through us where we can help them with that. We need to be able to uh, get it to the point where liability is not a factor. But again, we need to do it here in the federal uh, jurisdiction. As I told the coaches, what we do now is not a rule. It's a law. And so what we want to do is put four, five, six basic points out to where the NCAA likes it. Uh, all the athletes can deal with it. The coaches, we put those out there. And what we want to uh, codify is to make all 50 states do the same thing on those four, four or five basic principles and then go from there with NCAA. Because as we speak, everybody wants to do their own thing. And you can't do that. It, it's not fair. Uh, California California is off the rails on this. Uh, they are off the rails. But, again, we'll probably have some pushback from their senators in California. But uh, hopefully we can get to 60 votes in the, in the Senate and get a majority in the House. And if we do that and the president signs it, uh, they're going to go by it or uh, they'll be breaking the law. And, Coach, speaking of the NCAA, something you were involved in for, for many years – how important is Title IX to you, and more importantly, protecting women's sports as a whole? How important is that to you? It's a shame we're even having to talk about this. You know, it's just absolutely amazing. It, that's, that just shows you the direction this country's going. You know, identity politics are killing the American people. And I don't care who you are, what you are. You can be what you want to be. That's what this country gives you an opportunity. If you want to be a giraffe, you can be a giraffe. I don't care. But men, biological boys and men, playing in women's sports is wrong. And it should never happen. And I don't care what the White House says or the Democrats say. They know better. But they're bending over for people that they think are going to vote for. It's not about helping America. This is about helping people get reelected. They will trade their moral values up here for a vote. And that is going to get us in trouble. It's already gotten us in trouble. Um, I've got a bill that says Protect Women in Sports uh, Act, and hopefully I can get some enough people on the left to side with me on this and get this thing passed. But I'll tell you, after what I saw this past weekend with uh, Pride Day at the White House, with the things that Joe Biden was saying about he's encouraging minors to transition and the way they were acting in front of the White with a uh, with a pride flag uh, above the American flag. Listen, I'll say I'm an American we got one flag in this country, and that's the only thing that should be on that 
that capital here in the, and the White House, the United States of America. Now, again, you can be who you want to be. I don't care. But it's not fair to do what they're doing in Title IX and letting these young men and boys play against women. And I'll tell you, we're going to lose women's sports because their parents aren't going to let them play. Uh, I wouldn't let my granddaughter or my, my daughter dress in the same dressing room as a, as a biological man. I wouldn't do it. And uh, we're hearing all kinds of, of talk about this. And this is going to be a big agenda item in the next election that's really going to go uh, uh, the wrong way for the Democrats, hopefully. Senator Tommy Tuberville with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. You mentioned the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act uh, that you had go through. It was blocked by the Senate, right? And then uh, President Biden mentioned he would veto this if it got to his desk. Uh, all on the sake of those who would vote that way. I I'm thinking in terms of bipartisan, I don't understand why women's rights, especially just in fairness in athletics, uh, isn't a bipartisan issue right now if we're going to point to science and biology. Tomorrow will be the 51st anniversary of Title IX. And it's probably the best thing, and there's not many good things come out of Washington, D.C., but the best thing that's ever happened, they started Title IX, which gave girls and women a fair chance along financial terms, coaches, facilities, and to, and to enhance women's athletics. And my God, it's, it's, it's exploded so, women's softball on college campuses is one of the number one things going, and it continues to go uh, straight up in terms of entertainment and people really get involved in it. That's what we want. Look at the leadership qualities that it, that it gives opportunity for young girls and, and women to participate in, to learn from, just like the men have for years and years. So uh, this White House and the Democratic Party, I don't know what planet they, they've come from because the last few years, it sounds like nothing where they used to be. We're going to fight it. We're going to fight it tooth and nail. We're going to fight for girls and women. Uh, we're going to fight for Title IX. And we're going to fight for this country because because right now all this identity politics is separating us, dividing us. Uh, and there's going to be so many different uh, cliques out there that uh, we're not ever going to be able to get anything done in terms of making this country better. Senator Trumpleville, we, we were discussing to begin the show the, the Live and PGA Tour partnership. They removed the word merger from the press release. We were stunned last week when uh, this news broke on what, June 6th, I believe. Uh, what was your initial reaction? And I'm curious, what role does do you believe Congress will have moving forward in this? A lot of conflicting reports on whether or not this will go through ultimately. Yeah, well, I'm a big golfer. I love golf, love, love pro golf, and watch a little bit of the U.S. Open today. Uh, but uh, I've been liking uh, live golf. I was, I was, I was, I was, uh, Anxious to see a tournament in person. So two weeks ago, they had a tournament here in Washington, D.C. On Sunday, I went out. I thought, you know, there'd be three or 4,000 people there. But I'm going to tell you, it was exciting to watch. They had music. It was entertaining. There was around 20,000 people there. Uh, they know the PGA uh, Tour knew they were in trouble because they were going to continue to lose their, their players. And so they did probably the right thing. They don't have the money to keep up with the with the lived tournament. Uh You'll still have the live tournament. It'll be there. You'll have the PGA tour. I don't know how they're going to uh, work this all out. Uh, I've talked to some people behind the scenes, but I'm going to tell you, if I've heard some of the senators up here talking about, we need to get in involved in this. No, we don't. We need to stay out of it. Let them work their uh, way through this. Don't get us involved. It will be an absolute mess because anything we touch, we screw up. Uh, and we don't need to mess around with the PGA Tour, the Live Tour. Let them work their problems out. They will be just fine. 
And uh, it will be a better product from this. I, I, but again, I, I was very encouraged by watching the Live Tournament uh, in person. And they knew, the PGA started watching this, and they knew that they had to make some adjustments or it was going to get really ugly on the PGA side. Coach, also, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't congratulate you on being nominated for the College Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. So congratulations. That's, uh, that's quite the honor. And I know that you're, you're aware of that with a lot of the names in that Hall of Fame. Yeah, it, it is. I go every year. Uh, for years, we had it in at the Waldorf in New York, and now we have it in Las Vegas because New York is uh, is not the best place in the world to visit. So we moved it out there. But it, it, it's it's a uh, you know it's it, it makes you feel good about it, but it also makes you feel good about the coaches and the players that you work with for all those years, and brings back old memories. And and uh, there's not a lot of people uh, that get to have that opportunity. So. Uh, I don't know whether I will get elected to be in, but just to be nominated means a lot to me. And young, poor kid from Arkansas that was a very average athlete that was bound and determined to become a college coach and ended up being national coach of the year in 2004. You know, dreams do come alive here in the United States of America, but you only get it if you work for it and you make goals. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not I'm not bashful. I work, I work my tail off for all those years to work my way up and work with again, but again, work for some great people with some great people, a lot of great players and what, what a life I've had the opportunity to live. Now I'm up here, uh, totally different, but I'm, I can't say I'm enjoying it up here, but I'm glad I'm here because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can for the people of Alabama and the people of America. Uh, one final thought on, on name image likeness as we move forward. Do you think we'll get to a point where we see a break off of maybe it's basketball and football that's regulated at the highest level? And if you want to join at a certain level and be a part of the legislation that will govern and, and agree to a certain stance and rules for name, image, likeness, you can join. And if you don't want to meet that criteria, you can stay back in the NCAA. It, it, does that make sense? from a, a, a law and, and legislation, a rule stance? And if not, where are we in five years with this? Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. You're on the right trail there. Uh, the NCAA can't handle football. They have no answers for it. Uh, there's so many athletes, so many uh, coaches, so much money involved in it. But at the end of the day, the NCAA makes very little off of football. You know where they make their money, NCAA basketball tournament. I think you'll always see the basketball team stay in. They've got, what, four or 500 teams across the country that have an opportunity to make the tournament every year. I think uh, the the proper way to do this would be eventually, um, you know, move to a, a football league, several different ones, and uh, have their own governance, have their own commissioners, uh, make their own set of rules. You know, you know what dictates uh, college sports, uh, as it does the NFL, is money, uh, the 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 television rights. And, man, I'd say the, in, the SEC, for instance, and the Big Ten are going to be making tens of millions of dollars over the next few years just on TV rights. So it's a great sport. Uh, we don't need to ruin it, uh, but we're going to need some more governance. And, and hopefully we can help with this, what we're talking about with this NIL, but we're going to need more than that down the road. We're going to need to find a way to make this work and maybe be maybe at the end of the day, as you said, separate uh, possibly. And we've been talking about this for years, having a super conference of 60, 70 teams and going down the road, but you also have to have another conference for the other other teams, obviously. So uh, we can work this out, but we got to put cool heads together and understand it might cost some people some money. But at the end of the day, this is about education and it's about entertainment and it's about young men and women 
earning the right to play a sport and learn something from the sport. Senator Tommy Tuberville has been our guest here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coach, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for the work you're doing there. And uh, man, I, don't, I know you said you can't describe it as uh, you're enjoying your your time there, but I'm not sure if you've seen the 2024 schedule across the SEC, but I'm not sure the coaches in the SEC, your former two-time head coach there, enjoying the, the schedule as the Texas and Oklahoma join. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be Brian Kelly at LSU. I saw that schedule. Holy cow. <laughs> I think every coach is thinking that right now. Yeah. Thank you as always. Let's catch up soon. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Senator Tommy Tuberville. Uh, and and I'm, I'm so glad that, that he and Joe Manchin have stuck with this over the last so – he was on with us last fall and then prior to that briefly um, in, in, in regards to just trying to get something going with name, image, likeness. No one has really wanted to step up and do this publicly, and it's tough. And finally, I mean, the names of Nick Saban and others are going to Capitol Hill like they did last week. I, I appreciate the work they're doing on this front because it's either you either agree with it, you're fine where, where it is, but it is very confusing. That's number one. That's why I want some guardrails. Or number two, the, it's just, you know, craziness. Uh, wild, wild west. And you need the federal legislation because the NCAA won't step up and do anything. Yeah, but not overly encouraging when uh, the quote that I took away from that was, we'll probably cure cancer before we get NIL legislation done. Um, that's not great to hear. So even though they're involved, they're still miles away from actually figuring things out of how you can even regulate it and what there is to do next. So I still think we're a long way off. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to, Chad, the fact that the NCA took a big step back in January, or it was July 2021, and, and said, we're going to lose legally, we're done. But they fought all of that thinking, we're going to keep things the way it is. We're going to keep the money the way it is, regulation and rules the way they are. And these students are student athletes, but student comes first. They lost that. They lost that battle, and now here we are where no one feels like we're moving forward. At best, we're in neutral. Hit us up with your thoughts in the Outkick chat on YouTube. You can also do that on social media. Coming up, back to the PGA and Live Tour discussion where the U.S. Open is ongoing. Jay Monahan is on medical leave. Health concerns had him step away. The PGA Tour board of directors uh, said we, we accept uh, his reasoning for why he wants to step away. There's now reports, and we speculated on this, now reports and opinion that he's not coming back to the PGA Tour as commissioner. We'll give our thoughts on that next on Hotline. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. 
So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Our thanks to Senator Tommy Tuberville for joining us. Missed portions of that. You can always check it out on the Outkick YouTube channel. Subscribe while you're there. Give us a thumbs up, like button. Hit that bell. You'll be alerted every time we go live. 3 o'clock Eastern across the Outkick Network for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. U.S. Open is underway. We'll give some uh, leaderboard scores in a moment. Ricky Fowler is, man, he's... Playing very well out of the gates, uh, and he's on the, the back nine out in Los Angeles. Also out there, and he's been following the Live and PGA Tour drama now for well over a year because he wrote the book on Phil Mickelson, literally, and then quoted Phil Mickelson when Phil thought he was off the record that really started the firestorm of Phil and the, the idea that he would team up with the Saudis and the Saudi-backed PIF and the Live Tour to branch off from the PGA Tour. His name's Alan Shipnook, and he was recently on SportsCenter discussing Jay Monahan and his leave of absence due to health reasons and whether or not we will see Jay Monahan as commissioner of the PGA Tour again. Throughout all of this, Monahan kind of was in the background through, through a lot of the toughest moments, and the players were on the front lines. And um, not to extend the metaphor too far, but they took a lot of shrapnel and um, and they staked out some very specific, uh, you know, stances, and they, they put their their lep- their reputations, their careers, their lives on the line here, and and then for for Monahan to come in and just say, just kidding, guys, you know, we didn't mean everything we said. That's a tough one, um, reputationally. It's also the fact that a lot of these guys turned down a heck of a lot of money, and they felt like. They, the loyalty was demanded of them by the tour. They, they had to sort of sign this oath. And uh, to see their colleagues go and collect nine figures, um, you know, that, that that's a bitter pill. So, I, you know, Monahan coming back and reclaiming his duties is not a sure thing. I mean, he was already on thin ice with the top guys. I mean, there was a lot of hurt feelings. There have been calls for his removal already among tour players. And... Uh, this could be the beginning of, of a graceful exit. You know, he can he can cite health concerns. He can say he negotiated this piece and, and, and then pass the rest of this on to somebody else. So I don't think we can assume he's coming back. That's Alan Shipnook on uh, ESPN and Sports Center's Outside the Lines. Chad, uh, this is what we, uh, we were guessing at, giving opinion on yesterday. Because when I hear the health concerns and the PGA Tour Board of Directors statement that they have accepted his notice of leave of absence due to medical concerns, a medical issue. Um, I immediately thought with the lack of detail of Urban Meyer at Florida, um, who stepped away from the University of Florida's football program only, what, a year later uh, to join Ohio State and, and turn that around the way that he did. I... And I was hesitant to do it because I, I honestly, if he if he's got a health issue, I, I hope Jay Monahan's okay. But Alan Shipnook is right there behind the scenes for everything. 
And what he's saying there is the opinion of most that are on boots on the ground as they arrive in Los Angeles for the U.S. Open. Maybe he's got a health problem. Maybe he's got a medical condition, and that's a part of it. But if he doesn't, this is extremely lame. And the fact Alan Shipnook, is, who is as connected as anyone, is hearing and saying, hey, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't ever come back, that this stepping away is part of a graceful exit. I, I don't think there's anything graceful about that. Now, if he's legitimately facing a medical condition and this came up out of nowhere and you know we wish him a speedy recovery and then he can step away because the medical condition and everything else in there. But I don't buy this as a graceful exit if it's a faked medical condition to go with it. The graceful exit for Jay Monahan would have been the day this went down. And look, I don't know what he agreed to with the private investment fund and the, the Saudi money that's coming in. Maybe part of it is he had to shepherd this deal through to the finish line and be the head of PGA, the commissioner, until it went all the way through. But if not, the right thing for Monahan to have done after everything he said a year ago and everything he told those players was to go up to the podium and say, I'm doing this for the future health of the PGA Tour. You're all going to see in 10 years from now that we're going to be in better shape than ever, and this was necessary to get this thing done and to stop this war between us and Live Tour. But I also understand that I can't really go back and talk to my players and tell them what to do, so consider this my resignation. That would have been a graceful exit to me. Maybe I'm crazy, but that would have been the most graceful way for him to exit. I would have applauded that and said, not much to argue with on that front. The man said a lot of things, then he had to come back and do another, but at least now he's stepping away gracefully. When I hear this is part of a graceful exit plan and that it may also include a fake medical condition, I, I, don't, I don't think that's very graceful, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, and it's not... They didn't do it that way because this was done under the, you know, the cloak of darkness where three people total involved with the PGA Tour were involved in the negotiations behind the scenes with the Saudi-funded Live Tour and Al-Ramayan. And, and when you consider that, um, yeah, this is... He took the questions from the media on a Zoom call from the Canadian Open and then met with the players in person at the Canadian Open who were there, and then others joined on a Zoom call to voice their opinion. But the vast majority, I'm going to talk power brokers, the power brokers on the PGA Tour are playing in the U.S. Open right now. And he's not there. He's not there to discuss things. I mean, if anyone there on, on behalf of the PGA Tour uh, is, is going to be face-to-face -face with anyone, it's going to be uh, Tyler Dennis, who's the president of the PGA Tour, and Ron Price, who's the, C, uh, the chief operating officer, the COO. Those guys are assuming the day-to-day -day operations of the tour now that Jay Monahan has stepped aside. And they weren't mentioned. They, they found out, my guess is, the same time that Tiger and Rory and others found out about this partnership between the PGA Tour and Liv. And as far as graceful exits are concerned and demanding that Jay Monahan step down, he wasn't the only one on behalf of the PGA Tour that was waving the flag and, and, and thumping uh, the, the, the chest, pounding the chest on, hey, we have to stay unified. This is about loyalty. This is about the United States. This is about 9-11. Jimmy Dunn is one of the three that helped facilitate and set up the chat between Jay Monahan and the Live Tour. 
He's on the PGA Tour Board of Directors. He was appointed by Monaghan last fall. He's a member at Augusta National. He's a power broker both with the PGA Tour and on Wall Street. And he has personal connections to 9-11. His firm was on the 104th floor of the South Tower, and 66 of the, the men and women that he worked with died on September 11th, 2001. And he was very vocal about players a year ago who wanted to join the Live Tour instead of staying with the PGA Tour. And he's the one, as we listen to his comments on NBC Sports, he's the one right now that facilitated the negotiations and brought it to Jay Monahan. Unbelievably sad and awful that day was. So I understand that. And I am quite certain, and I've had conversations with a lot of very knowledgeable people, that the people I'm dealing with had nothing to do with it. And if someone can find someone that unequivocally was involved with it, I'll kill them myself. We don't have to wait around. But the reality of it is, is that we need to, we need to come together as a people. And there's a PGA Tour board member, Jimmy Dunn, who's singing a different tune now, last week, on NBC Sports, compared to what he was saying and pointing to a year ago. But it, all the wrath is with Jay Monahan. Uh, Ed Hurley is another. He's an attorney on the PGA Tour board of directors. directors and guess, guess what he did? Uh, what, he, what he's known for. He's an attorney, and he specializes in mergers of bank institutions. All, those yeah, were the so three he, he names involved in all this. Yeah, those are the three guys. I mean, Monahan's the commissioner, and he's the most upfront person out there. So he, rightfully, he's going to take most of the blame and the shrapnel on all of this. But Jimmy Dunn looks like a hypocritical clown also for everything he said. And uh, now what he's saying still sounds like a clown to me. But we said this from the beginning. I, I said it on day one when this, this merger, alliance, whatever you want to call it, went through. It's what's right from a business perspective. It's actually a very good day for the future of golf because there's not division anymore. And now the PGA Tour is going to be much better off because they've got an influx of billions of dollars possibly coming in. Certainly millions that's coming into the sport now. So... All in all, if you're a golf fan, I think it's a good thing in the long run. But this good thing in the long run made a number of people look like clowns. And Jimmy Dunn's one of them. Jay Monahan's one of them. I think unknowingly, Rory McIlroy's a big one of them. He, yeah. he acknowledged that. Yeah. You know, I, I feel deceived now, like I was used in all of this, and he's right. So, and, and just coming back, you know, full circle to our first segment, it's so funny to me. That all of this talk about, you know, Phil Mickelson's got gambling debts and this is why he had to take the money and you need to look into Phil's, Phil's past with bad investments and the only reason he's selling out right now is because he had to take the payday and had to get the money and these other guys are only concerned with money and not legacy and that's why we're staying here. And then a year later, oh, we're shocked. We're shocked by this merger. Can't believe it happened. Oh, by the way, uh, Saudi Arabia, can you give me my money back that I didn't accept? Well, we don't know that they're saying ago? that. We don't know that they're saying that. That's my initial response, though, is how would those guys feel? Uh, the reward. Now, all reports are they're saying that. That all reports are that they are going at PGA saying, "Are you going to make us whole now if you're going to take the money 
we should have some money coming back that we turned down that you told us to turn down because you were going to fine us and it was going to cost us in the long run. And now there is a fund being set up, funded by the private investment yeah, I've seen fund, that report. I to pay those I guys back. I haven't seen back. comments from Rory McIlroy saying that. They're not going to say it the publicly. The report was John Rahm was about to jump ship and go to live. And that may have been the final straw. Yeah, they're not going to say it publicly, but it's absolutely what's happening. I mean, the players aren't sitting back. They're, I mean, I know Alan Shipnook well, be had said that in that interview also when I watched it. I'm eager to hear the how players, they word this. Players it, are saying they want the money back. Yeah, but they, they are – I mean, what they know is this. The majors, the four majors, including the U.S. Open, it doesn't matter if you took the money or not. You're going to be playing. Um, so it, by them sitting out, does it, it doesn't actually hold any weight for a, a, a U.S. Open event or the British Open or the Masters. It would you know, affect things if you're on tour, you're playing you know, the, the uh, Colonial or you're making the, the rounds in Memphis for the FedEx Cup. And you're going to hold out from that. I wonder what... I'm also eager to hear from Tiger. We have not. And we won't because he's not, able, he's not healthy enough to play. I think he's doing the right thing by just staying quiet. Talk when you have to. And also just speak when you figure out exactly what, how everything's going to look. What this new tour That's, with the live yeah. involved is going to look like. Um, I think pretty smart move, honestly, by Tiger just to stay silent until he has to speak. The SEC and the Big Ten... Reports are they covet two programs out of the ACC. We discuss that and much more straight ahead on Hot Mike with Hudson Withrow. Coming up, Antonio Brown, he just wasn't kicked out of a, an arena league. His team was. National Arena League saying peace to AB's Arena team. Details coming up. Hit us up on uh, on Outkick's uh, YouTube page. I'm shocked that he's a terrible manager. To search out Outkick, yeah. really uh, surprising and to me. And refused to, to pay something, apparently. <laughs> Man who took his pads off and his uniform and walked off an NFL field into the locker room. Bad owner. Bad manager of a professional sports team. Just shocking. Pac-12 right now. Just a bad conference without a TV deal moving forward. Colorado's patience, according to Pete Thamel, it's, it's almost up with the Pac-12. But the report from Thamel goes on to say that if Colorado bounces for the Big 12, San Diego State's already waiting and they're ready to jump in to the Pac-12 mix if Prime and the Buffaloes, if they jump to the Big 12, which is expected. I don't know. Let Let me add to that, though. They're expected to jump to the Pac-12, and at the end of that, we should put... Only if the Big 12 doesn't offer them first because the Big 12 is still a better option. And the Big 12 has been reported to be talking to San Diego State and SMU also. So this still leaves the Pac-12 behind Big 12. But yes, that would be the contingency offer coming from the Pac-12. Well, but it also says from the Big 12's perspective, just based on this report, they prefer Colorado and so does Pac-12. But Colorado is going to point to the fact that the Pac-12, they've already decided the replacement as the reason why they're going to bounce, I think. Instead of just talking about the, the, the TV deal, the grant of rights, and everything else. But, I mean, it, they, the, the university and the conference met back in May. And to me, Chad, I don't know what deadline you put on this, but at some point, you can't just sit around and wait. If, if, and now's the time, by the way, when announcements are beginning to happen or will happen for more conference realignment. 
around July 4th, that week, is normally where we see this. And I, I would expect it to happen that week if it's going to, just based on the, the previous two years where we've seen the SEC and the Big Ten assume uh, the, the, the main portion of the college football offseason news and headlines by acquiring Texas and Oklahoma and also uh, in the, the, the Pac-12 losing USC and UCLA. This is going to happen. It's, you know, uh, we, we just got done talking about Tiger Woods. I think it's actually very smart that he's sitting back and being quiet right now and not saying anything about this live merger alliance, whatever it is, with PGA Tour. If I am Colorado, if I'm San Diego State, if I'm any of these programs out there that's in flux right now, Washington, Oregon, we may talk a little bit later about North Carolina and Virginia, I am antsy. At this point in time, especially not not necessarily in North Carolina, Virginia. If I'm in the Pac-12 right now and I have any other option, if I'm Colorado in this specific example, I've got ants in my pants to do something. To either get George Klyavikov to tell me something reassuring so I can lay my head down on my pillow and sleep well at night, or to GTFO. I want to go straight to the Big 12 and get this out of the way and be done with it because I am unsettled about where things are with the Pac-12. So I understand the anxiety from Colorado right now about not knowing the future of their own conference, and if they have an option to go to the Big 12, why that's so much more desirable at this point in time. In San Diego State, it'd be an upgrade to go to the Pac-12 for them right now, but they're also another one that maybe down the line, if they need more teams in the Big 12, they could look that route as well. So... They could end up having multiple options. Could, but they would be jumping into a new contract and grant of rights. Yep. And Colorado can move now freely without paying a significant portion uh, back to the Pac-12 and the TV deal, whatever that ends up being, uh, for, for breaking that contract. Chad, uh, the uh, conference realignment talk also continues for the SEC and the Big Ten. We'll get into this more with Trey Wallace, who joins us in about 30 minutes from Outkick.com. But uh, reports are that the SEC and the Big Ten covet two main schools, universities, programs in the ACC, Virginia and North Carolina. And I know you, you believe you, you hear one and you think of one conference and you hear the other and you think of another. But it, is this a, a partnership that the two are making, Virginia and North Carolina, on purpose? Yeah, well, these things normally happen in pairs. Yeah. Right? When they, when they go down, it's yeah. Texas, Oklahoma. It's USC, UCLA. It was Maryland, Rutgers. At one point, normally conferences like to add, you know, Oregon teams and Washington and, have been paired. Yeah, even numbers. They want to add two teams to their conference. So it does feel like it's setting up to be a package deal with North Carolina, Virginia. I think both make a ton of sense for either conference. But when I hear these programs, I immediately think from a cultural standpoint and even geographically to some extent, Virginia belongs in the Big Ten and North Carolina belongs in the SEC. If one were going to add one and the other. Now, if both were to go to one conference, I'd say the SEC makes more sense for both to go. But I think what makes perfect sense would be the split there. I see Virginia, there's an example, Virginia versus Penn State, to me, is more culturally aligned than Virginia versus South Carolina, you know, going south to north. Virginia, Maryland, Virginia, Rutgers also in that, that range. North Carolina against any SEC team makes a ton of sense for me. North Carolina, South Carolina having a rivalry in conference. North Carolina, Tennessee. Tennessee shares a border with Virginia and North Carolina. They would be the only SEC state to do so, Mm -hmm. to share a border with both. So you have that contiguous element 
of states bordering each other and having a geographic footprint if you add a Virginia and North Carolina to the SEC. So package deal, SEC makes most sense for both of them to join. But I think an ideal just sports world and what makes sense culturally, Virginia to the Big Ten, North Carolina to the SEC, and let's go. Let's roll that way. And then both, both conferences could add one more team from somewhere else. But, Hutton, you've got two states that are in the top 12 in total it, population. Yeah, and the market size. I, I think Virginia, uh, North Carolina's 10th, I believe. Virginia's 11th or 12th. So they're both you know, two of the bigger states in the country. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, my family's from Virginia. Like I, I, I don't think like in, in terms of like the Chesapeake area specifically, they're turning on. Even if they're most of them are, are Hokies, um, but it, they're not specifically tuning in just to watch the Virginia Tech game. They want to. They want to watch Virginia, but they're also going to watch the best games in college football, like everyone else. And that's still the Big Ten SEC. So the, the market size to me, while I understand, I would rather have the brand of what's going to be on the screen rather than the market size for where the, the team is playing from. Personally, and, and look, people smarter than me are making these deals. Um, but in the, in the world of streaming and everything else that we're, we're, where we are and where we're headed, um, in, in terms of Nielsen and all that, does that really factor in as much? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great question. I, I posed that question too because it was all about TV markets. Yeah. You know, with the last, this was like the 2009 but to 2012 cycle. Mainly here. He's like, it's, it's mainly it's about, about population, TV market. It's not about success on the field. If they just want to go with football brands for the SEC, it's yeah. Clemson and Florida State. Yes. Hands down to me. Absolutely. And you still want Notre Dame. Everyone no matter where, no Dame. matter what conference uh, you're currently rooting for. Coming up, Antonio Brown, he's kicked out, as is his team in an arena league. Details there. Uh, plus, many more headlines coming your way. Trey Wallace in hour number two as well on Hot Mike.